At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. From the most powerful city in the world, a new generation of conservative talk. Fair, fresh, fun. It's the Guy Benson Show with Guy Benson. Welcome to the Guy Benson Show. I'm Mary Walter sitting in for Guy today. Uh, hope everyone had a wonderful, safe 4th of July and you had got to get together and celebrate in the way that you wanted to celebrate. Uh, some people prefer, you know, low-key, quiet and and others prefer the barbecue with some friends and family. So however you did it, I hope you had a great time. I had a, I had a very nice uh, couple of days there, which is got together with different groups of people. saw lots of fireworks, and um, it was good. But we're going to talk a little bit more about that later. Also, later this hour, we'll be joined by Congresswoman Kat Kamek uh, out of Florida. And we'll talk to her about uh, Joe Biden's approval ratings. He's an overachiever because just when you think his ratings can't get any lower, he bests himself. It's amazing. So we'll talk about that. But first, let's talk about the shooting, obviously, that happened in Highland Park. I think that's a really important topic to discuss. And w- when it was happening, I just, my heart was breaking. I couldn't believe it. It's, it, it, every time these things happen, you keep saying, oh, it can't happen again. It can't happen again. And it just keeps happening. And uh, we, we did get an update. There was a, a press conference just a little while ago. And this is the spokesman for Lake County Major Crimes Task Force. His name is Christopher Cavelli. And he brought some new information to the table. One of the first things that he brought to the table is new is that the attack was pre-planned. Here he is. We do believe Cremo pre-planned this attack for several weeks. Uh, he brought a high-powered rifle to this parade. He accessed the roof of a business via a fire escape ladder and began opening fire on the innocent Independence Day celebration goers. The rifle was purchased in Illinois, and the information we have thus far is that it appears to have been purchased legally by Cremo. So it was purchased legally. And I think that that's really important because it just goes to show you, you know, some of these things we can put as many safeguards in place. And, and, and I believe in having certain steps in place before you um, acquire a firearm, even though it says shall not be infringed. And I do think a lot of these safeguards that we have in place disenfranchise the poor and um according to the Democrats, also uh, minorities, because you need an ID. And the Democrats keep telling me that black people don't have IDs. So they can never purchase a firearm. So if you're a law-abiding family in the middle of downtown Chicago or some other neighborhood where there's constant shootings in Philadelphia, New York, wherever you happen to be, 
and you don't have an ID, you can't get a firearm legally. And I think it drives some people to get them illegally. And, and I think when it comes to that, we need to have some kind of each state put in some kind of ID system that doesn't cost anything for people who would like to get a, an ID, a legal ID, so they can purchase weapons, firearms for protection legally. But just like the Uvalde shooter, you know, the Uvalde shooter, all the signs pointed, there were a lot of signs beforehand, but unless it's officially on some kind of mental health records, they're not going to get flagged. Here's more from Christopher Covelli, the spokesperson for the Lake County Major Crimes Task Force on how the shooter escaped. During the attack, Primo was dressed in woman's clothing and investigators do believe he did this to conceal his facial tattoos and his identity and help him during the escape uh, with the other people who were fleeing the chaos. During the attack, we believe that Karimo fired more than 70 rounds from this rifle into the crowd of innocent people. Following the attack, Karimo exited the roof, he dropped his rifle, and he blended in with the crowd, and he escaped. Uh, he walked to his mother's home, who lived in the area, and he blended right in with everybody else as they were running around, almost as he was uh, an innocent spectator as well. Wow. That's crazy. Now, it, and he did have facial tattoos. And if you look at this guy, it's sad to say, I hate to say this, because I, I, I don't like to judge a book by its cover. But I got to tell you, I think people with facial tattoos, you're begging to be judged by your cover right there. And I look at that and I go, dude, you, you know, people are going to look at you for the rest of your life and think that there's something not right there. And if you look at him, again, I, I hate to prejudge because I think it, it's a bad thing to do. I really do. But you look at him, I saw his picture, I'm like, oh, yeah, how do we not see that coming? And they just announced the seventh death uh, from the shooting. Now, he is still being referred to as a suspect. He has not, unless something has changed in the last 10 minutes, still has not been officially charged with the shooting, which I would assume he is going to be officially charged if we now know that, you know, he it was pre-planned, he dressed as a woman, they obviously know these things, I would assume, from speaking with him. I, but I don't know that. I'm just making an assumption there. Here's Christopher Cavelli talking about charges and why they have not been filed yet. Thus far, over 30 people were injured during the attack, and this does not include the six who lost their lives. Right now, Cremo remains in custody at this time. Uh, there are no indications that there was anybody else involved in this attack. It, by all indications, it appears Cremo was acting by himself. The Lake County State's Attorney's Office has been with us from the ground level. They're with us this morning. They were with us through the night. Uh, we continue to review the information. Investigators are still developing leads and, and very critical information. Uh, once we're at a point where we're ready to review all of that information for charges, uh, we will sit down with the state's attorney and review for criminal charges. Right, so there you go. Now, uh, also, and th these are just thing, pieces of information that are coming in, so I just wanted to share them with you. So he um, apparently went to, he dropped the weapon, and he fled. And, and you, heard, uh, you heard the spokesperson there, Covelli, saying that he, because he wore women's clothing, he just blended in as if he was an innocent spectator. He then went to his mother's home and borrowed her vehicle before he was later found and taken into custody. But here's the thing. They knew the vehicle to look for. 
so there's other information that we are not privy to just yet, but they knew the uh, the vehicle that the suspect was driving. Inside the vehicle, they found another rifle that appears to have been bought by him, and investigators recovered several more firearms at a home he was living in in Highwood, which police believe he also purchased legally. So there, again, there, there's a lot more to the story. Let's go to some more here. So as I said, there are now seven people deceased and more than 30 injured after he opened fire at that parade. He's also known as Awake the Rapper. He has an IMDb page. And on that page, they describe describe Cremo as a six-foot hip-hop phenom. But they estimate he weighs about 120 pounds. I'm not six foot and I would kill to weigh 120 pounds. So uh, he was really, really skinny and lanky. The tattoos on his face were four tally marks with a line through them on his right cheek, right roses and green leaves on his neck and cursive script above his left eyebrow. And, uh, and this is just me personally, but I'm a big believer. And if you're tattooing your face, man, you want people to judge you by the, by your cover. Cause you want that message out there to everyone. He began uploading his music to the internet at age 11. He first gained traction with a 2016 track called by the pond. According to IMDB, his estimated net worth is a hundred thousand. His father is president at Bob's pantry in Delhi and Highland park. And according to his Facebook account, the father ran for Highland park mayor in 2020. He released another track called are you awake on October 15th of 21. And that track appears to suggest that he was planning a life defining act beyond his ability to stop. The video includes drawings of a man aiming a rifle at another person. The video also includes an image of a newspaper clipping about Lee Harvey Oswald and another image of a victim shot with blood spraying from the body. In the track, he says the following. This is, these are the lyrics. Like a sleepwalker, I am unable to stop and think. My actions will be valiant and my thought is unnecessary. I know what I have to do. I know what's in it, not only for me, but for everyone else. There is no past or future, just the now. It is more abstract than I can ever imagine. I can feel the atmosphere pushing me in. It's unstoppable, like a wave pulling me under. I can't breathe without it. I need to leave now. I just need to do it. It is my destiny. Everything has led up to this. Nothing can stop me, not even myself. If there is such a thing as free will, is there such a thing as free will? Or has this been planned out like a cosmic recipe? It's what I've been waiting for in the back of my head, ready to be awakened. It's what I've been sent here to do, like a sleepwalker. Now, we also know, according to the Washington Examiner, they saw footage from his personal blog. One, one of the videos was posted a year ago, and it was apparently sh- being shot from the back of a vehicle. And it shows Cremo driving down an empty Amer- Main Street lined with American flags. The street appears to be the exact street on the parade route where the shooting happened on Monday. A Google Street Google Maps Street View shows that this is Central Avenue in Highland Park and was part of the parade route, with the video seeming to end very close to where Monday's shooting took place. Uh, NBC is reporting that he also had his own Discord channel where he would frequently post dark memes and content related to death and murder. But his uncle, Paul Cremo, gave an interview to Fox 23 in Chicago and said that he didn't see any warning signs from his nephew. And these are the things, you know, in hindsight, we talk about the warning signs. Fox News has a piece on um, uh, from one of the, his former coaches and the parents. He accuses the parents of being, quote, a problem. 
He told Fox News Digital that they were always the last to pick him up from an after-school program. His name's Jeremy Conman. He ran an after-school sports program at the elementary school. He said, I remember the parents more than him because they were kind of a problem. There wasn't a lot of love in that family. Uh, He was 9 or 10 when he was enrolled in the Nerf football program along with his younger brother. The coach said every week the Cremos were the last kids there and we'd have to call their parents to pick them up. The kid was really quiet, really soft-spoken, never made an issue. But he said his mom was a handful, quote, she got into it once with one of the heads of the program. She was yelling. It seemed to her like her, her kids were, a, it seemed as if her kids were a nuisance to her. Uh, he said there were signs there for a long time. There were always police cars at the house. The parents were arguing and fighting all the time. Um, you, know, you heard this with the Uvalde shooter, too. You know, broken home. Well, and I'm not saying this is a broken home, uh, but the parents were fighting all the time. Mom does have a different last name than dad, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're divorced or never married or anything like that. It doesn't mean that it's a quote unquote broken home. Uh, But you hear these stories. You heard it with the Uvalde shooter as well, that there's a problem at home. And I think that's where these problems go back to. It's not the gun. I, I think it's the home life. I think it's the parents or the child having mental health issues. And for whatever reason, um, they just get shoved under the rug and nobody pays attention to it. And this kid in the meantime is crying for help. And and we wind up where we are today. And it happens all too often. There's got to be a reason why we have a generation of very angry young men that we didn't have a generation ago. Something's going on here. All right. If you uh, want to jump in anywhere along the line, 833-456-1300, 833-456-1300. It was not just Highland Park that had shootings on the 4th of July weekend. It was also Philadelphia and New York and actual the city of Chicago as well. This is a suburb of Chicago, Highland Park, but the city of Chicago also had a very bloody weekend. I'll tell you all about that coming up on The Guy Benson Show. Fresh conservative talk. Guy Benson Show. Fox News Radio On Demand on the Fox News app. Download the app and just click listen. When you swipe left, you can listen to your favorite Fox News talk shows live. Swipe right for the latest Fox News Radio newscasts on demand. Fox News Radio on the Fox News app. Download it today. I'm Mary Walter sitting in for Guy Benson. Today, coming up later in the show, Congressman Kat Kamek will be Congresswoman Kat Kamek will be joining us in uh, about 20 minutes. So we were talking about the shooting in Highland Park, and that's a suburb of Chicago. But in the city of Chicago, 71 people were shot, eight fatally, uh, in, in the, over the 4th of July holiday weekend. 71, eight fatally. And what, what gets me about this is we seem to just accept it and ignore it. But yet when there's a, the shooting that we heard, that we saw, so the tragic shooting in in um, the suburbs, that's a big deal. And the politicians come out of the woodwork to talk about, but they don't talk about the shootings of the people in the city of Chicago. That that hasn't even gotten a notice. I haven't seen one politician saying 71 people were shot, eight fatally, you know, in, in Chicago and railing about that. Why? To me, it is such a disconnect. And I think it's because they can use one to further a political agenda, but they can't use the other to further the political agenda because they're in control of the cities in which those killings are happening. 
All right, let's go to Philadelphia. Two police officers were shot, and uh, they are, they've been discharged. They were treated for guns, gunshot wounds, and they're fine, thank God. Um, both officers were stationed out in the area of a 4th of July celebration and a concert in central Philly. They were by the art museum. Rocky ran up the steps there. Uh, when the sound of sudden gunfire sent a panic, everybody goes running. Now, the officers were the only ones who were hurt. Bullets grazed uh, a highway patrol officer's forehead. The bomb squad technician was grazed on the right shoulder. But they don't know if this was ricochet from celebratory gunfire or whether it was intentional. So the bullets that hit them could have been strays. But are we some kind of fourth world country where we're, you know, shooting guns in the air in celebration? That's what you see on TV happening in, like I said, in these third world countries. You know, there's a wedding and everybody's shooting gunfire, you know, guns into the air. And I'm like, oh, my God, people are going to get killed. Is that what we're doing now in our inner cities? Because that's kind of crazy. Uh, But here's here's what's interesting about this story. So the Philadelphia mayor, Jim Kenney, got out and he was ranting about, in front of the press, he was ranting about um, the, the violence, which, yes, he should be ranting about the violence. But listen to what he had to say here to the shock of the reporter that asked him the question. Everything we have in the city uh, over the last seven years, I worry about. I don't enjoy Fourth of July. I don't enjoy the, the, the Democratic National Convention. I don't enjoy the, the uh, um, uh, NFL draft. I'm waiting for something bad to happen all the time. So it's, I'll be happy when I'm not here, when I'm not mayor and I can enjoy some stuff. You're looking forward to not being mayor? Yeah. He doesn't want to be mayor anymore. Here's the thing. Dude, you created the problem. You're the one who has a DA who the the people want to recall, Larry Krasner. They want to recall him because he doesn't enforce the law. So he just wants to quit. I'm just going to throw my hands up in the air. And he's he cannot be reelected. He is uh, his term is over in 24. So he's still got a couple of years under his belt. But instead of dealing with the problem, he's like, yeah, I just want to quit. What? What? I don't understand how they just come out and they're like, yeah, I just want to quit. That's what I want to do. And then you go to New York, another Democrat run city. And what do we have there? We have, let's see, 13 people shot and let's see, one person killed in every borough except Staten Island. It's the only one where they did not have gunfire. Our cities are becoming unlivable. I feel badly for people who live in these in these cities, especially because they lived in a neighborhood that they thought was quote-unquote safe, only to find out that the neighborhood isn't safe. And these shootings are happening. 3.10 in the afternoon in Queens. You had another one at 5.50 in the Bronx. One in Soho at 5 o'clock. And the guy was just sitting in, in his hunt just sitting in his car in front of a Dior shop and they just came up and shot him and he's gonna live it's okay but this to me is I don't, I don't understand how you can live in these areas if you're afraid to go out but the democrats are creating these problems and so they're just gonna quit though uh and we're gonna talk to a little bit more with with the congresswoman coming up about this because we have Pete Buttigieg who's now is just like throwing his hands up in the air with the, with the airline problems and basically saying it's up to the airlines to fix this problem. What is your job? They just blame everybody else. If that's all coming up, a lot more to go on the Guy Benson show.
Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton with Row. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. His name is Jonathan. But you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you'll subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. You're listening to a new generation of talk, Guy Benson. Welcome to the Guy Benson Show. I am Mary Walter sitting in for Guy Benson. Guy will be back with you tomorrow. As promised, joining us now, Congresswoman Kat Kamek from Florida. Congresswoman, thank you for taking the time to join me today. Hey, thanks so much for having me. And uh, happy belated Independence Day. You as well. I hope you had a wonderful day. Oh, we had a good one. I walked in about 14 parades, it felt like. (laughs) (laughs) Well, at least you got your steps in, so that's good. Oh, man. So let's let, let's talk a little bit about you know the the state of the country right now and the outlook in the country right now. According to Monmouth Monmouth poll, they just put a new poll out that shows that uh, Joe Biden's job approval is thirty six percent, with fifty eight percent disapproving. And if you look at the party, of course, Democrats seventy four percent approve. God knows why. Uh, with Republicans only three percent approving, that makes sense. But independents at twenty nine percent approve. That means the majority of them disapprove. Um, that's a big problem for him, is it not? Oh, my gosh, yeah. I think that speaks volumes of not just midterms, but what that means for 24 and for the political agenda that the progressive Democrats wanted to execute on. And so I think it's it's hugely problematic for what they're trying to do in Washington, D.C., But if I were a Democrat in a swing district, or heck, even some of the polling has shown that uh, a typically safe Democratic seat is actually in play now, that's very concerning because they are going to have to spend an incredible amount of money trying to convince voters that they actually are looking out for them. But you go to a gas station or a grocery store and everyone sees what is happening as a result of the Joe Biden administration. So I think that those poll numbers are indicative of what's to come in November for sure. Yeah. So I want to talk about that. I just want to go to uh, cut eight here, Dan. This is uh, Joe Biden from the White House, uh, 4th of July. Listen to what he had to say here. Our economy is growing, but not without pain. Liberty is under assault, assault both here and abroad. In recent days, there's been reason to think that this country is moving backward, that freedom is being reduced, that rights we assumed were protected are no longer. A reminder that we remain in an ongoing battle for the soul of America. So I heard that, and he's clearly referencing Roe v. Wade. But to your point, Roe v. Wade may be important to a very small segment on the left that that's that's going to affect their total vote. But for the rest of America, suburban moms who may want to preserve the right to abortion, when they have to go fill up that family car, that truck, the minivan, the SUV, that is far more immediate. Why would the president go with such a negative message? Because it's him. It's He's the one who's leading the country. Doesn't that reflect poorly on him? Oh, absolutely. And it makes you wonder, like, who is writing this stuff for him? 
it, it's almost like on par with the tweet that we saw come out a couple of days ago over the weekend talking about how now the blame is not just Putin in his eyes, it's the local gas station owner and that they need to they need to actually cut costs and, and reflect the price that they're paying. Has he ever thought for one second that it might be a good idea to just, I don't know, check with some industry folks before making some outlandish statements like that? They're completely out of touch with what is going on. And I know they're going to try to hang their hat on the row uh, decision, but as we all know, this Supreme Court ruling, it doesn't outlaw abortion. It simply returns the issue to the state. And so that's a, that is a losing message, a losing issue for the Democrats to get behind, because every single day Americans are reminded of how bad Biden economics have been for their families, their businesses, their kids. They are reminded at the gas station, at the grocery store, at their schools. They're reminded at every single turn because you can't walk down the sidewalk without tripping over one of Joe Biden's crises. And so <laughs> I think coming into these, it's true. And, and we know how easily he can trip. So uh, yes. it, I, I just think that heading into these midterms, voters are going to be really pressed to vote based on their pocketbooks their family budgets, their businesses, and their kids. It's going to be kitchen table issues, and he is so far off base that he is in left field and he is standing out there alone. Even the Democrats are abandoning him at this point. They are, but here's the thing that doesn't make sense to me. As far as I'm concerned, when I look at the Democrats over the years, I mean, I've been doing this talk radio for a long time, so I really like to think that I can kind of see the issue from both sides. I try anyway, but the Democrats, to me, one of the things I envy about them is they play the long game, and Republicans don't. Republicans are reactionary. Democrats are proactive, and I admire that about them. I really wish the Republicans would learn that from them. But this time around, it seems to me as if they're playing the game as if they were Republicans. They're, they're almost playing to lose here. You've got that coming from Joe Biden. You've got these tweets that came out about F the fourth, right, from the from the Pima County Democrat Party, Mark Kelly, right? That's his party. Like, that's his people. And and you've got uh, Buttigieg telling American citizens instead of if you want to fly, I'm sorry, I can't fix the problem. You should just negotiate with the airline telling him how to do that. You've got Mayor Jim Kenney in Philadelphia saying, I can't wait till I'm not mayor anymore. He's not going to do anything about this. I just don't understand. It is such a mystery. Do you understand what their strategy is here at all? You know, I feel like they have kind of given up on a winning strategy and they're just throwing whatever they can at the wall, hoping that something sticks. It's kind of like the build back broke agenda. They knew there was no way that Americans were going to be able to stomach a $5.8 trillion bill. So they just threw everything that they could in the bill and hoped that it would eventually have some parts of it still in there. But when we talk about this dynamic between Republicans and Democrats, I think you hit right on it. It's interesting because Republicans, and I've said this for a long time, God bless us all, man. We, we're reactionary. We unfortunately don't go on the offense the way that we should. But that's changing because now we are shifting from, you know, playing not to lose to we're playing to win. And you're seeing the Democrats just kind of fade back and say, oh, you know, I'm an independent. I'm a moderate. I'm a I'm an independent thinker. I have seen more Democrat campaigns include an independent thinker 
and a, and, and a bipartisan player included in their campaign language. And it's because they recognize that America does not want the, this woke, progressive uh, dependency and control agenda that the Democrats are pushing. And that's why you're seeing him uh, being abandoned by his own party. Everyday Americans are seeing how out of touch the administration is. You've got, uh, you know, Mayor Pete as Secretary of Transportation, who will literally take a, a Tahoe, drive it one block outside his office, then say, stop here so I can get my bicycle out so I can show the world that I'm green by riding my bicycle to, to work. And then has in that same breath, the audacity to criticize America, the same country where he and his husband have enjoyed paternity leave while American moms and dads are struggling to find baby formula. It's the most bizarre clown world that we are living in. And everyday Americans are sick and tired of it. We want government out of our lives, out of our way. And we need to get back to the basics, real basics of what America is all about. And I think that's what these midterms are all about. Absolutely. I I just very quickly, the January 6th committee, it really bothers me that the Republicans aren't playing hardball with this. Um, You see Louis Gohmert, one of my favorites. I love him. He's out there, you know, by himself behind a podium, maybe with one or two other, maybe Marjorie Taylor Greene, talking about Americans who have been detained without getting a day in court, some without being charged for over 475 days. And having their lives turned upside down. Does this continue until we decide whether Donald Trump is going to run or not? Is that is that how this is just going to go? And why aren't there more Republicans screaming about this? You know, that's the thing that I've actually questioned with some of my colleagues is why are we collectively speaking out more about this? And a lot of the, the concern is about, well, the DOJ is going to do whatever the DOJ wants to do under the Biden administration. Well, that's all the more reason to speak out. There is highest levels of corruption happening at the DOJ where when Biden doesn't get what he wants and uh, the recent Supreme Court rulings like the West Virginia EPA case, when they don't get what they want, all of a sudden he says, well, I'm going to fix the DOJ on you. That's the attitude of the Biden administration. And so I think that there is a real just frustration with the DOJ and the lack of engagement and almost a feeling of we're not going to get anywhere, so we can't even really do anything now. But what kind of America do we have when we forsake our entire judicial system and the rule of law and due process Yeah. because of a political agenda? It's wrong. And I think the minute that Republicans take the House back, you're going to see a lot of movement when it comes to the January 6th issue, not just in terms of the people who have been uh, unlawfully or wrongly detained, but I think in the entire spectacle of this sham committee that has played out, I think you're going to see some real honest truths come out. In particular, what did Nancy know? What did Pelosi say and do in the days leading up to and the day of and the day after? Because her communications have been... Uh, left out of every single one of these conversations. None of the security improvements that the Senate report have issued have come out. And you have to ask yourself why. So I think there's a lot of answers that are coming. 
Yeah, well, who, who you know who opened the Columbus doors from the inside? Uh, it's a great question. But here's the thing: I will tell you, I kind of feel like Charlie Brown when the Republicans tell me that, "Oh, we're going to investigate, we're going to do this, and we're going to do that," and 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 they, and they're Lucy telling me I can kick the football, have some hope, and then they just don't do it. But my husband has said, and I give him full credit on this. He said Republicans need more women in the party. They need more women because the women are the ones who are speaking up and they're the ones who don't, who aren't, don't seem to be afraid of upsetting the apple cart where a lot of the men on the Republic in the Republican party do seem to be afraid of maybe not getting reelected. So, um, I don't know. Maybe maybe that's exactly what the the Republican Party needs is some more women who aren't afraid to just speak up and get it done. So like you. (laughs) Hey, well, I tell you, I am so proud of the women that I came into Congress with. But there's a heck of a lot more of us coming in this 118th Congress. And I'm so proud to support so many of them around the country uh, through our American Grit PAC that is the leadership initiative to elect more blue collar working class people to Congress. And half of these people are women. And so I'm really excited about what's to come in this next Congress. I mean, these are folks that have American grit. And to your husband's point about women, women were great multitaskers. And I heard once many years ago that if you want something done, ask a busy person. And I can't think of a better way to describe a hardworking mom who has a career and kids and a husband and all this, you know she's busy, but man, she gets things done. And so I am so excited for more women to come into Congress from a variety of different backgrounds, not because they're women, but because they're the best damn person for the job and they're going to get it done. So I am so pumped for the 118th Congress. And I tell people, get out there and vote and let our voices be heard because the Democrats would love nothing more for us to stay home so they can keep that dependency and control agenda going. So we got to get out, got to keep the faith. One more quick question. When do we find out whether Trump is going to run again? I'm hearing now that he may declare early because of what's happening with the January 6th committee, because they really have damaged him a lot, whether we like it or not. They have really damaged him with the misinformation, et cetera, and the lies that have been out there. You say it often enough, people believe it. So when do we find out? You know, that would have to come from the man himself, but I (laughs) called him President Teflon. I'm telling you, President Teflon, because all these wild accusations, I mean, the craziness about he was in the limo and reached for the steering wheel, Matrix style, he's got some Keanu Reeves moves that we didn't know about, just ridiculous nonsense. I think that the American people have seen how hard the left has worked to destroy him, and they take all that nonsense with a grain of salt. So I do think that there is 100 percent an announcement coming. I don't know when, but we will have to wait and see from the man himself. And like I said, he's tough. Yeah. Well, I figured it didn't hurt to ask. I thought maybe we'd break a little news. I know what you did there, Mary. <laughs> Congresswoman, thank you so much for joining me. Really appreciate it. And I, I want, I expect you got to get out there and whip those people up to get them out there defending our Americans who are incarcerated and having their rights trampled illegally because it is just a sin what is happening. Thank you so much and have a wonderful week. Hey, you too. Thank you so much. Have a good one. You too. That's Congressman, uh, Congresswoman Kat Kamek. I keep saying Congressman, Congresswoman Kat Kamek. All right, 833-456-1300. Do you want to see Trump run again? The rumor is that he is going to announce before 
before the midterms. Originally, we kept hearing he was going to announce after the midterms so he didn't influence the apple cart. But now he wants to get out in front of the front runners. You know, the people you're starting to hear some names like DeSantis, etc., going around. And also because of what the January 6th committee is doing, he can't respond. If he becomes a candidate, he gets interviews, he can respond and he'll get more play. He'll get more attention. Uh, do you want to see him run? 833-456-1300. Your call's coming up on The Guy Benson Show. Guy Benson will be right back. Welcome to The Guy Benson Show. If you're just joining me, I am Mary Walter sitting in for Guy Benson. My number is 833-456-1300. CNN is reporting that Trump is um, considering announcing early that he will be running in the 2024 presidential election. So I want to know, do you want him to run again? And why or why not? Let's go to Arizona. Vicki, I have about two minutes here. Hi, Vicki. Hi. Yeah, I'll make it real quick. Um, no, I really don't want to see Trump run again. Um, I am a Republican, and I agreed 100% with what he did um, and how he improved our country so much but i think he damaged his credibility so much with his twitter comments that there are others now that are on board with what his vision was Uh that i think could really go ahead and and follow through with it and get us on board and on that track again without having his controversy so who are you looking at who, who, I, guess, who I would be, well, I would be looking at, um, oh, goodness, of course, his name just slipped my mind, the governor of Florida. Ron DeSantis. Ron um, DeSantis. It, yes, DeSantis and Nikki Haley. I would love to see Nikki really? Haley. Really? Okay, that's interesting because I keep hearing Ron DeSantis and Rick Scott as as the dream ticket you know that's what that was that's what people want to to see and and i will go along with you in a sense of vicky that i think that trump is on the defensive he's been on the defensive since he came down that escalator and his hands have been tied and i think if we get another four years of trump i loved his presidency i think he did a wonderful job for this country but it was so chaotic and the left created that chaos and i think that they will do the same thing again and i think the deep state is going to do everything they can to stymie any kind of republican investigations you know we already know that the secret service announced that they lost their files on hunter biden from from 2013 to whenever they lost them. I think you're just going to see four more years of that. And I don't know if they'll do the same thing to DeSantis or another candidate. I don't know. 833-456-1300. Do you want to see Trump run in 2024? Or is there someone else you would prefer to see at the head of the Republican ticket? I'll get your calls coming up on The Guy Benson Show. From the most powerful city in the world, unconventional talk from a fresh, unconventional conservative, Guy Benson Show. I'm Mary Walter sitting in for Guy Benson. How are you? I hope you had a wonderful, wonderful 4th of July. Uh, Coming up later in the show, Stephen Moore will be joining us. Uh, We'll talk to him uh, about uh, the inflation 
and all the claims are going back and forth and all the finger pointing. And also, we will be joined by Ted Williams, Fox News contributor. He is a uh, renowned criminal and civil rights attorney, so we're going to speak to him about what is happening in our cities, and especially in light of the shootings in Illinois, not just in Highland Park, but in the city of Chicago as well. Everyone ignores that, you know, Philadelphia, New York, and these things are happening at, you know, three o'clock in the afternoon. You always kind of felt safe in the cities during the day, but now you can't. So we're going to talk about that. Right now, though, I'm asking your opinion. 833-456-1300 is my number. President Trump, according to CNN, is weighing an early 2024 launch. Uh, and it's because of the January 6th committee, according to CNN. And these are all people who, you know, are off the record. So take it all with a big grain of salt, Okay. But I think we all want to know if he's going to run again, because I don't think that anyone will challenge him. I don't think you're going to see Ron DeSantis challenge President Trump should he choose to run again. But you personally, do you want to see him run again? And I have very mixed emotions. If President Trump runs, I'm behind him 100 percent. I just see what they did to him for the first four years of his presidency, four years of his presidency, but also from the moment he came down to declare the deep state was working against him. They were spying on him. They were spying on his phone calls. They were spying on all, all illegal, spying on a sitting president. Every phone call he had was leaked. No one was ever held accountable. And, and the man is not going to be allowed to do his job. I kind of think Trump would have more power and a greater influence if he were the power behind the throne. So speaking about the January 6th committee, and I do think they've damaged him because they don't allow any, he, he can't plead his case. He can't refute anything that they're coming out with, these lies that they're coming out with, because it's a kangaroo court. There's no one there to present his side. Here's Liz Cheney, the, one of the alleged Republicans on the committee on ABC uh, discussing the January 6th committee and Donald Trump. And I think there's, there's no question. I mean, a, a man as dangerous as Donald Trump um, can absolutely never be anywhere near the Oval Office ever again. And that kind of stuff makes me want him to run. Like, I want him to run when I hear that because I want him to put them in their place. But I think there's a large chunk of people, maybe not huge, I don't know, but I think it's out there of people who voted for Trump in 2016, who didn't vote for him in 2020 because he's mean. And listen, I think he did himself a disservice with the tweets. I totally get it. But I don't care if he's mean. I, I don't care if he's mean. He's not coming over to dinner. And I actually was blessed with being able to spend an hour and a half in the Oval Office with the president in 2019. And he's a delightful man. He was wonderful, wonderful, whip smart, crazy smart. It was, it was amazing. Uh, so I, I don't think he's a mean person, but I think if he, if you cross him, I think he's mean. He could be mean. He's from Queens. It's kind of how they behave, but I don't care if he's mean. Remember Chamberlain was a really super nice guy and Churchill was a drunk and he was this, and he was a bore and he insulted women and did, nobody liked him. But that's the type of guy you needed to fight the fight. You kind of need a Trump to fight the fight. Here's more from Liz Cheney on the on um, the Republican Party. It can't survive with Trump. It can't survive if he's our nominee. No, no. Um, I think that that he can't be the party nominee, and I don't think the party would survive that. I believe in the party, and I believe in what the party can be and what the party can stand for. Um, and I'm not ready to give that up. Those of us who believe in Republican principles and ideals have a responsibility 
to try to lead the party back to what it can be um, and to reject um, and to reject so much of the of the toxin and the vitriol. So what she's saying is, I just don't like the way he talks. I don't like the toxic, the toxin and the vitriol. When you're dealing with Kim Jong-un, you could be as toxic as you want as far as I'm concerned. Right? I'm not in that position. I'm not the president because I don't, I think it's a tough job. And I think Donald Trump handled it well. Did we not like the tweets? Yeah. I wasn't thrilled with all the tweets. But I think so much of what is being considered toxic and vitriolic was because of the media hyping it up and trying to destroy him for five years. And they're still trying to do it. While we let everything that Joe Biden does slip away. Hunter Biden, who's that? Oh, please, why are you bringing that up? Hunter Biden's not the president. But you know what it would be like if that was happening to Don Jr. instead of Hunter Biden. So I think in a way you kind of just have to let that go and just ignore that and judge the man on what he did, not what he said. Because to me, actions speak louder than words. 833-456-1300. Okay, let's go to you. Enough of me. Uh, Bruce in Fort Myers, Florida. Bruce, you are on the Guy Benson Show. Hi. Hi there. How are you, Mary? Doing great. So where are you on this? Uh, I'm right with you, uh, almost 100%. I, uh, I think I have a lot of respect for Trump. I think he did a wonderful job as president. In spite of all the Democrats tried to do to him, to destroy him, uh, they didn't get the job done because they couldn't prove it. They, all they, they just live on lies. Uh, so I I, I kind of have mixed emotions about it. I just wish he would tone his uh, rhetoric down a little bit and, and not get so wild on, uh, on doing a tweet thing and all that. Yeah. Uh, other than that, I have a I have a. But a private theory. I'm 94 years old, and, and uh, that's a dangerous thing. Is you do too much thinking sometimes when that happens. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, here's what I've been thinking: Joe Biden has allowed the border to be open. He won't close it. He won't do anything about it. He won't even go down there. And and we all know that. But the two million people have come in here. We don't know who or what. He's scattered them around in certainly probably all the blue states. Mm -hmm. And they're all, every one of them is a vote. And in order to vote, they have to be citizens of the United States. And you have to have identification. So what my theory is that right before the election, right before November uh, the fourth, I guess it is. Um, he's going to uh, uh, make every one of them a citizen and give them an ID, and every one of them is going to be a vote. I think that's honestly, and Bruce, thank you for kicking it off. It's a pleasure to speak with you. I hope you had a wonderful fourth. Enjoy sunny Florida. I, I think that's what the Democrats would like to do, but he can't just wave a magic wand to make them citizens. It's kind of like DACA. DACA would never should have been allowed to go through, but again, Republicans don't fight. So there's that. Um, I, I think that he can't just do that. That's a law and he can't just make a law. It has to go through Congress and he can start and try to do it, but uh, hopefully it will be challenged by the Democrat by the Republicans. One, one would hope. I would would hope that that would happen. But again, 
I don't put it past them. 833-456-1300. Denise in Florida, also in Florida. Hey, Denise, you are on the Guy Benson Show. Hi. Hi, how are you today? Doing great. So what do you want to see? Do you want to see Trump run again? Yes. Why? I do. Um, Well, I think that had they not attacked him from from him, from the day he became president um, and so throughout his whole presidency, he would have gotten a lot more done than he, he did get done. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that hopefully during the, the midterm elections, uh, we'll remove the Democrats' ability to continue with their witch hunt. And um, I mean, they've done everything they could think of, including making things up to try to remove him from office. And now they're trying to keep him from office. Do you have faith, though, in the Republicans' will? And when I say the Republicans, I mean the people who have to who lead the party, Mitch McConnell, Kevin McCarthy. Do you have faith in them, though, to grow some to grow a pair and to actually go after the Democrats? Them? No. That's um, the problem. They're well, they're they're part of the problem. They are. um I want to say rhinos. <laughs> they uh, are. It's it's frustrating. It's, I'm hoping that with the midterm elections that we'll get some more people into office that um, are lean more towards being a Trump supporter than, say, Mitch McConnell, who's a swamp preacher. Yeah, and that's where I lose faith. Thank you for that, Denise. I I agree with you. Thank you so much for joining us. That's the thing is, and I said this uh, to Congresswoman Kat Kamek, who we just had on, that, you know, I I think it all sounds good. We're hearing them say, we're going to investigate the Democrats and we're going to investigate. We're going to launch our own investigation into January 6th and we're going to do this and we're going to do that. And I'm sitting here thinking to myself, yeah, you know, I've heard this song and dance before from you guys and you kind of never follow through. It never happens. You get stonewalled by the FBI, by the DOJ, a secret service. You don't get the papers you want. It takes years and years and years for you to get the paperwork you need. And then it all goes by the wayside and nothing ever happens. And I kind of just think that that's the way it's going to happen again. We're going to be here a good game talk that's going to be talked, but it's not actually going to happen. It's all going to fall by the wayside as usual. So we don't have a lot of faith in the leadership of the GOP because I do think they are swamp creatures. I do think Mitch McConnell needs to be replaced if we want someone who is actually going to do something. 833-456-1300. John, hang on. I will get you next. I would have to cut you short here. I want to give you more time. So hold on. I'll get your calls coming up. 833-456-1300. Do you want to see Trump? Run again. And do you think the January 6th committee has uh, damaged him? Because I think they have. That's just me. With lies, but they did. All right, I'll get your calls coming up on The Guy Benson Show. The Guy Benson Show. More next. Mary Walter sitting in for Guy Benson, getting your calls at 833-456-1300. John in Atlanta, I just want you to hear this. I want you to listen to this audio here and everybody listen to this. This is Gavin Newsom. I'm sure you've seen on Fox that Gavin Newsom ran an ad in Florida and it was paid for for by the Gavin Newsom California for Governor 2022 uh, campaign. And I can't figure out if it was a joke or not. Listen to Gavin Newsom's campaign ad in Florida. 
It's Independence Day, so let's talk about what's going on in America. Freedom, it's under attack in your state. Your Republican leaders, they're banning books, making it harder to vote, restricting speech in classrooms, even criminalizing women and doctors. I urge all of you living in Florida to join the fight or join us in California, where we still believe in freedom, freedom of speech, freedom to choose, freedom from hate, and the freedom to love. Don't let them take your freedom. Okay, does anybody think that people, anyone from Florida would hightail it to California? I mean, really, that's just not how the migration flows. It's just not. I thought it was hilarious, but Gavin Newsom has national ambitions because he's doing so well in California. And why did he run it in Florida? Obviously, because the Florida is the antithesis of California. And wouldn't it be interesting to see a DeSantis-Newsom matchup in 2024? That would be wild. Uh, a lot of people talking about 2024 because uh, you're hearing a lot of rumblings about President Trump, uh, former President Trump, and when he will announce that he is running in 2024. And I got to tell you, I can't blame him wanting to do it again. I really, truly can't. God bless him. I would just be like, oh, to heck with this. And I, he's a gazillionaire. I would just go to an island somewhere. I'd buy an island, go to the island, and just hang out for a while, you know, just just to get away. Because what they did to him was just so miserable, but I, I can understand his need for, I guess, revenge in a way, I guess it's kind of revenge and I can't blame him for it at all. Though after what they did to him. So do you want to see Trump run in 2024? 833-456-1300. Or would you prefer to see something like a DeSantis Gavin Newsom? matchup in 2024. And do you think Trump can win if he runs in 24? Uh, John in Atlanta, thank you for hanging on, John. You're on the Guy Benson Show. Welcome. All right. Hey, thank you. Um, real quick, getting to your thing, I think the word you're looking for is vindication for Trump. Yes, for that's it. Yes. Okay. Next is Gavin Newsom killed two birds with one stone because he went right to where Trump is a citizen. There's a resident of Florida, and DeSantis is there, and either one of them he comp- he uh, competes with. You know, he killed two birds with one stone with that ad. True. But Good point. Any- and now I'll go to another thing on the Trump thing and the vindication is being in Georgia the night of the elections when the water main supposedly broke. I had people texting me about, do you believe this happened down by, you know, downtown Fulton County? And it really didn't. It turns out it was a toilet, but they had it broadcast over the news and all to shut things down around 10 o'clock, 1030. And then it turns out it was just a toilet leak. And I'm going on to that election thing because Kemp could never stand up for what really, really might have happened, might not have happened, because if you recall when Stacey Abrams did it, he was secretary of state and he didn't stand up for that. And that challenged the election and look into the balloting process. So if he did it for Trump or during that thing, he possibly could have uncovered a rock or turned over a rock that he wasn't interested in turning over. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, when it, I, one of the things I do wish President Trump would stop doing is trying to relitigate the 2020 election. It's over. Even if there is an investigation down the road, a legitimate investigation, as they are doing in some of these states, and, and they do uncover wrongdoing, you're not going to rip Biden out of the Oval Office. It's not going to happen. He's in 
for better or for worse, and that's that. And I wish President Trump would just start looking forward a little bit as opposed to continually saying, you know, the, the rigged election, the rigged election. The, I, I just think that that does, isn't helpful to him getting anywhere, you know, and winning people over. The, his supporters who really support him probably feel that way, probably agree with him. I'm of the mindset of, I just want to know, I would like to see an actual real investigation and answer the questions because if our elections are not secure, then I think we, we all want them to be, we all want our votes to count. And I don't think that that's a horrible question to ask. I think it's a legitimate question to ask. We would, we would want that question answered. So I think, so that's fine with me. Uh, but I really wish president Trump would stop talking about the quote unquote rigged election. Okay. If you're going to announce, just, just win it, just concentrate on the future, concentrate on how horrible Biden has been because honestly, it should be a slam dunk. It should be a cakewalk. That's what it should be for the president. But if he keeps going backwards and keeps looking back about the and railing about the rigged election, rigged election, rigged election. I don't know if that is helpful, you know. And I also, as I said, I would be okay. Listen, if he runs, I'm in. I am all in. I got my Trump flags. I'll break them out. I'm good because I think he was a great president. If he chooses not to, though, I think it can be very powerful, if not more powerful. If he is the power behind the throne, kind of like, you know, Obama or Susan Rice or whoever is pulling the strings for Joe Biden. Right. All right. Coming up, Steve Moore will be joining us. He is FreedomWorks senior economic contributor. He's with the Heritage Foundation. We will talk inflation and find out what's really happening as opposed to listening to the president just blame other people. Steve Moore coming up next on The Guy Benson Show. Talking about the issues you care about. Guy Benson. I am Mary Walter sitting in for Guy Benson on the Guy Benson Show on Fox News Radio. Joining us now, Stephen Moore, Freedom Works Senior Economic Contributor, Club for Growth founder, and he's also a distinguished fellow at the Heritage Foundation. Uh, Steve, welcome to the show. It is so great to speak with you. How are you? Hi, Mary. Good. I hope you had a great Fourth of July weekend. I, I saw that liberals were boycotting Fourth uh, of July. Did you hear see that? That they, they don't want to. They don't want to celebrate the independence of our country. Yes. Yeah, so there was more fun and frivolity and food for the rest of us. <laughs> I like the way you think. Exactly. That's right. Right. Um, okay. Let, let's let's talk about about economics. There's a lot going back and forth yeah. about. Um, about the price of gas and, and some words being going back and forth between the head of these gas and oil companies <laughs> right. and even Jeff Bezos and the president. This, I want to play this for you. This is Christine Romans on CNN. Listen to CNN talking about Joe Biden and how he blames other people. It's Putin's price hike, he's called it. And then he was talking about refiners need to be refining more oil over the long term. The strategy of this administration, they don't want them refining more oil. They want them using other kinds of resources. Um, so there's a lot of different kind of messaging strategies, I think, at play here. And some of them are kind of working at cross purposes. They're being gentle. But once again, CNN actually stumbles on on some kind of journalism. Is it that bad? Is the messaging from this administration so bad that even CNN is saying, yeah, dude, this isn't working? Well, by the way, I, I used to work with Christine 
Roman and say, taught her everything she knows. No. <laughs> but, you know, good for her for getting, you know, for telling the truth. And that's tough to, sometimes to do it. So, not. so uh, look, I mean, it, what she said is obvious. They hate fossil fuels. They have a plan to get rid of them. By, two, by 2035, they don't want anybody using oil, gas, coal, uh, anything that you burn. And so they, uh, they want high gas prices to get people to stop using it. Now, I thought what was even more interesting, Mary, was, uh, the and sort of shocking was the statement by Jeff Bezos over the weekend, which you may have seen, where you know he just said, "Come on, get with it." And, and Jeff Bezos is, is you know one of the guys who gave hundreds of millions of dollars to Biden to, to win the election. But he said, "You don't know what you're talking about on gas prices." Because the other thing that Biden did last week is he blamed the gas station, uh, the gas stations for high gas prices. Right. So that's ridiculous. I mean, the gas the gas stations get the oil the oil from the from the uh, the you know from the ships and the trucks at a high price, so they the only way they can make money is to is to put a higher price on it. So yeah, if they lower the price, there aren't going to be any gas stations left because of the high price of oil. This is a president who declared war on American oil and gas, and this is the predictable result. And not just predictable from their standpoint, it's desirable. So I wish Mary he would stop pretending like we're doing everything we can to to uh, to um, you know lower gas prices when did you see the headline this week on i think it was friday or thursday uh biden took more uh acreage off of line for yes. uh, offshore development yeah so how can exactly. you say that i mean he, <laughs> it's, it's just he goes back and forth on this stuff yeah, well, but he always has. This is what Joe Biden does. I mean, he he's he's very he vacillates. He always has for fifty years in in Congress, for fifty years in politics. The man has oh, he's been on every position you possibly can be on, right? Like he's he he's always on the fence, always on both sides. Uh, I just love to your point to what you would mention first. Joe Biden tweeted out um, that he said, my message to the companies running gas stations and setting prices at the pump is simple. This is a time of war and global peril. Bring down the price you are charging at the pump to reflect the cost you're paying for the product and do it now, you know, because he means it or else he's going to send corn pop after you. And the U.S. Oil and Gas Association retweeted back to him and said, working on it, Mr. President. In the meantime, have a happy fourth and please make sure the White House intern who posted this tweet registers for econ. 101 for the fall semester. <laughs> I had not seen that, but that's even better than the, the, the tweet by Bezos. But look, nobody believes that gas station owners are responsible for the high gas price, right? I mean, it's a pretty competitive market. When I go, there's like four gas stations and, you know, one's at 529, one's 5.69, you know, people shop around. So it, this is not the problem. The problem is that we're uh, probably about 3 million barrels short of where we should be per day per day of production in the United States. So we have a new study coming out indicating about uh, that, that if, if Trump were still president, we'd be producing 3 million more barrels a day. And if that were happening, Mary, then our president wouldn't have to, in a humiliating fashion, go hand in these to the, to the uh, Saudis and bow down in front of them and, and beg them to increase their oil production. I mean, God forbid he go to Texas and Alaska and Oklahoma and ask them to increase their oil production. Well, let me, okay, so let me ask you, let's get to the bottom of it. What is, for the layman, you know, who says, boy, you know, th- this is a really complicated problem. I don't, I don't understand any of this. What do they need to, what is the, the root cause? Like, like, just break it down for us as to who's responsible, where, along the line, for why gas prices the way, are the way they are. Well, Mary, you know that I worked with Donald Trump on energy policy and tax policy. So he and I talked a lot about energy policy, and he was always all in. 
in terms of making America energy independent. And he used to say, I want to be energy dominant, not just energy independent. And we, we got that. You know, remember, in, in January of 2021, the month that Trump left office, we were exporting oil and gas. So we, did, we had broken the back of the OPEC cartel and the Saudis and these other countries because we were producing more than anybody else was. And then Biden comes in, says, oh, we hate fossil fuels. We've got to stop, you know, producing it. And that policy worked, too, so much that the price of oil went through the roof. It went from $60 a barrel to $110 a barrel, uh, which is, you know, a near doubling in the price uh, of production. And therefore, the price at the, at the pump went way up. And that's the story. Now, did the, did the uh, Russian invasion of Ukraine make it worse? Absolutely, it did. No question. But that's not the primary cause. I mean, that probably raised the gas price, you know, by 25 or 30 cents a gallon. But it already risen by a fifty a gallon. Right. And that's like when he says, oh, we're going to cut the ga- uh, gas tax by you know, 15 cents a gallon. OK, fine. But that's that's a Band-Aid <laughs> on a cancer patient. Well, not only that, so so let's talk about that because people aren't going to save. I think they said something like between thir- about $35 a month, depending on how much you fill up is what you'll save. But by cutting the gas tax, it sounds great. And for those people who are into like, oh, I, I got more money in my pocket, I'm going to vote for Biden. For those people, it may buy him some votes. But what happens then, because that gas tax funds the the infrastructure in this country, right? Uh, you're exactly right. So, uh, you know, look, I'm... You know, if if I were in the state legislature and I had a vote to cut the gas tax, I probably would do it. But I realize that's not the problem. The problem is we're not producing it here. <laughs> you know, I mean, what's really agonizing and really makes me so frustrated and angry, frankly, is that the biggest winner from Joe Biden's energy policy has been Vladimir Putin. Right. You know, no question about it. He he is. You know, the the ruble is now the strongest currency in the world. Did you know that? You yeah, know I, I had seen because that. They're it's... making so much money. <laughs> they're making so much money. I mean, Vladimir Putin is literally laughing all the way to the bank, and that is what uh, that is what is funding his war machine in uh, in Ukraine. That's why I've said it many times. I'll say it to you. I honestly believe that Trump were president. There is no way in hell that that Putin would have even gone into uh, Ukraine. No way. So so what what's happening basically then is we're driving up the price of oil and gas more so than it would be if it weren't for this war. But be, so Putin is making so much money because uh, countries yeah. have to buy from him because we're not supplying yeah. anybody with anything before right. and we we were. So we're funding the war that is is according to Biden raising the price of gas and then he tells us we're not going to see any relief until the war is over but the war could go on at this pace for years and years and years and years <laughs> because American taxpayers yeah. are funding it. Well, I mean, indirectly we are. You know, we don't like it, but that's a result of the Biden policies. Now, there's another part of this equation that we haven't even talked about, which is our other enemy right now, of course, is China. China is probably even a more existential threat right now than Russia is. And guess what? While we're cutting our coal production, and we have more coal than any other country. And I mean, other, we have so much coal in this country, we have 500 years worth of coal. So we've reduced our coal production by about 50 percent over the last five years. Do you know how much China's coal production is up? I have no idea, but I guess it's a lot. Four hundred percent. Yeah, and I'm sure it's very clean. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, they really care about climate change. That's the other thing. It's such a joke. I mean, does anyone really believe that President Xi and the communists in China care about climate change? The only two people on the planet who believe that are John Kerry and Joe Biden, right? 
Okay, so how long does this go on for? When do we see relief at the pump? I think we're going to see some relief in the weeks ahead because uh, the oil price has has spiked and it's coming down a little bit. So we could see, you know, maybe a 10 or 20, 25 cent reduction in the price of gas at the pump. But I think we're going to be seeing, you know, somewhere near $5 a gallon gas for many, many months to come um, because we're just not producing it. And the Russians now with the Saudis kind of have a cartel where we've been, you know, we've enabled OPEC to control the world price. And that's why I don't think I don't think Biden's going to be successful in going to the Saudis and saying, oh, please increase your oil production. They don't have any incentive to do that. They want the Saudis want the price to be as high as possible. Is is there anything that the Democrats do you see that they could do between now and the midterms in November, like an October surprise, to somehow sort out all this inflation and not just gas, but food and everything else? And, and you've got the, the, the baby formula shortage still. Is there anything that they can possibly do between now and November to make this less damaging to them? So if, if Joe Biden called me said, come on into the office. I want to talk about how to get the economy moving. I, I would go. You know, I care about our country more than I hate <laughs> Biden. And I would tell him three or four things. Number one, you don't know what you're doing. Nobody around you knows what they're doing. Kamala Harris doesn't know what she's doing. Pete Buttigieg doesn't know what he's doing. Jennifer Granholm doesn't know what she's doing. Bring in somebody who knows something about business. You know, bring in, a, you know, somebody like a Fred Smith or someone, you know, the C, former CEO of, of FedEx who really knows how to run something and just say, you're going to be my economics hour. You know, go out and do fix it. And uh, right now there's nobody in the White House who knows anything because they're all left-wing idiots. That's number one. Number two, you just say, look, okay, we're going to put our crazy climate change agenda on hold for a while. We're going to produce our own gas, and I'm going to give the green light to the energy companies. And then we need to, you know, do pro-growth things like Trump did, deregulate the economy, cut taxes. Uh, and, and then, of course, the Fed is going to have to lower, you know, raise rates. And if they do those things, you know, the economy could recover. But what do you think, Mary, are the chances of that? Yeah. Not not very good, obviously. Because, <laughs> not very good. Well, because, because Joe Biden are, you is... You said it. Because he's they're so... ideologues. They care right. more about their ideology than the country. And that's why, you know, did you see that the thing with the Chinese government, the communists in China were praising Biden for criticizing capitalism? Right. Right. (laughs) Yeah, it's going to be a long two and a half years. I mean, because we're only what we're not even two years into this. So, um, you know what, Mary, I know we're running out of time. I got to say this, though. What really is so frustrating to me is I honestly believe, and I'm biased because I work for Trump, but if Trump were still president, the economy, don't you think, it would be booming today. Oh, I agree. Booming. I, I agree. Speak Along those lines, since I know that you speak to the president, uh, former President Trump, have you heard anything about whether he's going to announce that he's running in 2024? Just asking. Oh, I mean, I, I think he probably will run. I've talked to, I th- talked to him about six weeks ago, uh, but, you know, that will be, you know, his decision. And look, I'll say this, if he runs, I'll support him because mm-hmm. I think he was a great president. But, you know, we also have an incredible bench. You know, we've got Ron DeSantis and we've got Kim Reynolds and we've got, you know, Tim Scott and South Dakota. Unlike their team, I mean, they don't even have any bench. <laughs> That's no, the problem. Don't. Their quarterback stinks and they don't have a backup. <laughs> it's very true. That's why Gavin Newsom, I think, was running ads in Florida. Uh, looking for maybe more of a national exposure because what what happened it was probably the best hundred grand he spent because it got national coverage, and I think that is what Gavin Newsom is looking towards because you know things are going so well in California. Uh, Steve Moore, thank you so much for joining us. Have a great week. <laughs> okay, Mary, great to talk to you. Take care. Take care. 
All right, 833-456-1300 if you want to jump in here. There, by the way, the police are giving an update on the investigation in Highland Park into that shooting and the killing. Uh, eight, we now, now it's up to, I think it's seven who have now been, uh, who have now deceased, been killed uh, at from that shooting. So as we get any um, kind of updates in, I will give them to you. Also, coming up, we have Ilhan Omar. Ho, ho, ho. They were not happy with her in her home state. It's very interesting. And we'll tell you the story coming up on The Guy Benson Show. Fresh conservative talk. Guy Benson Show. I'm Mary Walter. How are you? Guy Benson back with you tomorrow. Coming up later in the show, we will be speaking with Ted Williams. He is a criminal and civil civil trial attorney. We're going to talk about the shooting in uh, Highland Park, Illinois, and we're finding out more about the suspect. And, and uh, I'm also going to be ta- I'm also taking your calls on whether you want to see Trump run in 2024, 833-456-1300. And if not, why? And who would you like to see run? So uh, we, we know that there was just a, uh, an update, a briefing from the Highland Park police. And here's basically what they had to say in 2019. Highland Park police had two dealings with the suspect. One was following up on a possible suicide attempt. And in September, threats to harm a family member. While that was reported to the Illinois State Police, the suspect had not yet applied for the document uh, needed to buy a gun. However, in 2020 and 2021, police say the suspect legally purchased five firearms, as per a CBS reporter. Oh, and Guy is back next week. I'm sorry. I thought he was back tomorrow. I don't know who's with you tomorrow, but I'm sure we'll find out. Um, so so they had some contact with the guy, with, with, with this, this, this kid with this guy. And um, we know, according to a a former coach of the young man, uh, the family life was not that great. We know that the police were there a lot. The parents never picked the kid up from him and his brother uh, uh, from, from practice. They played a little Nerf football league in, in, in elementary school. And they were always the last kids left. And the coach always had a call to try to remind the parents to come get them. And, you know, I think, I think those are things we need to look at. There is something that has happened with this generation of young men that have made them very, very angry and they lash out. They act out. All right. Um, in other news, uh, Ilhan Omar has, is being challenged by uh, her de- Democrat named Cecily Davis. And she slammed Ilhan Omar for being out of touch with her constituents. She says people are ready for a change and they want someone who represents their conservative values. And because Ilhan Omar went to a concert over the weekend and she and her husband come out, not her brother, husband, but her husband, husband come out on the stage and she got booed. And this was a Somali concert. There's a huge Somali population in Minneapolis and she got booed. Now, her Republican challenger, Cecily Davis, says they've decided that they are no longer going to operate as a monolith. They recognize that she does not represent him, represent them, and they are ready for a change. They're looking for a champion who actually represents their conservative values here in Congressional District 5. And I wonder if the same thing's happening here as what happened, is, has been happening with the Hispanic community and also the African-American community, right? Especially the Hispanic community, the very family oriented, more likely to be religious, not in on, you know, the, the whole abortion thing. That's not their jam. That's not their thing. 
And they also don't like the illegal immigration, especially if they came here legally. They fought hard to come here legally. They don't like the illegal immigration. And I wonder if a lot of that is what is happening to Ilhan Omar's base and that group there. All right, coming up, NPR scrapping the reading of the Declaration of Independence has been a tradition there for over 30 years. And other hateful tweets, meanness, coming from the Democrats to celebrate Fourth of July. It's coming up on The Guy Benson Show. It's 5 o'clock in the most powerful city in the world, Washington, D.C. It's time for the Guy Benson Show Happy Hour, sponsored by the Finnish Long Drink. Finland's most popular alcoholic beverage has come to America. Visit thelongdrink.com. And now, here's your host, Guy Benson. And I'm Mary Walter sitting in for Guy Benson. I think there are people who are still happy houring from this long weekend. <laughs> I really do. So more power to you. Uh, coming up, Ted Williams will be joining us in about half an hour, and we'll talk to him about the shooting in Illinois and also the other shootings that happened in our cities and have been continuing to happen across the country, this ratcheting up of crime. And I mean, how do we turn this back? I think that's a big big question that we all want to know like okay so easy to get to this spot how do we undo this uh also i've been taking your calls throughout the show about whether you want president trump to run again in 2024 or would you prefer to see maybe somebody else run uh and why 833-456-1300 is the number 833-456-1300 coming up i'm also going to talk to you about what some of the um the democrats have had tweeted out uh, in for you know to celebrate America and some of the things have been happening on the left and whether does the left really loves America because I don't know if they do I think they love America if they made a lot of money here but now after that once they got theirs they're ready to trash it kind of makes me wonder if they if they really um, they just wrap themselves in the flag whether they do or not anymore let's head to california and say hello to irene you're on the guy benson show hi hi how you doing i'm doing great so do you want to see trump run again in 24 yes i do and vice president i want kate jenner uh she just actually i was going to vote for hillary clinton at one time but uh i don't know somehow it just turned out trump mr donald trump Interesting that you changed your mind. Do you remember anything in 2016 that happened that made you change your mind? That made you say, you know what? No, I'm going to pull the lever for Trump. Uh, yes, I started seeing uh, the Lord. Uh, believe it or not, the Lord started showing. Uh, I usually look at at a church on TV, and it was just popping out Trump. They were talking about Trump, and I said, oh, "Okay, Lord, I get it. I'll, I'll vote for Trump." Were you happy with his four years as president? Yes, I yes I am. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So you want to see him? You want to see him run again? And and who did you say you wanted Caitlyn Jenner as his running mate? Yes, I do. Why Caitlyn Jenner? I mean, she has no political experience. Not that Donald Trump did either, but she also doesn't really have any experience building a, a, any kind of business empire either. So what would she bring to the table? Actually, uh, she's been talking since she had a. Uh, I forget she had ran for uh, I don't know Senate or something like that. Yeah, she ran and in California. She was on yes. The, she she was on the radio. I heard her on the radio at least four or five times. And there it was. You know, she has a heart. She has a strong heart. And I know she would do it. She would make it. Her and Trump would be a good couple. 
Interesting. That's interesting. You were the first person that I've heard suggest that. Thank you, Irene. I appreciate you joining me. That's very interesting. Listen, I, I, I think that she is a very uh, strong person, uh, but I, I don't know. I've just never even thought about Caitlyn Jenner. So I'd really have to give that some thought before I could say yay or nay. Right now, for me, if it's not Trump, it's DeSantis and Tim Scott. That's me. That's just me. So let's go to Dan in Barnegat, New Jersey, my state. Dan, you are on the Guy Benson Show. Hi. Hey, how you doing? Doing great. So do you want to see Trump run again? Oh, absolutely. But that's really not what I was calling about. I was uh, trying to get – I was watching the news and I, I keep hearing about everybody complaining, uh, you know, this what happened with this primo mass shooting thing and all of these kids going through what they're going through. And everybody kind of like throwing it on the parents that not seeing the signs and everything like that. <clears throat> I have a son that's uh, suffering from depression and anxiety. The problem is, is that we do see signs of things, but we try to get him help and we're unable to because the HIPAA right. laws. Don't yep. allow us to do anything. Yep. They leave it up to a 14-year-old kid to, mm-hmm. to make the decisions that he's not ready to make and he doesn't understand. Yep. So, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. I'm, I'm agreeing with you 100%. I agree. And that has to change. And that's got to be part of this conversation, right? Because I hear this over and over and over from parents just like yourself who are like, my kid needs help. As a parent, I want to help my kid. But the laws don't allow me to help my kid. And I cannot imagine the frustration that you as a caring parent go through. That's got to be terrible. Yeah, it is because they're, you'll come after me for the bill, but you'll you'll let him make the decision. Well, if he was making the right decision, I wouldn't be calling you saying he needs help. I wouldn't right. be trying to get help. So obviously he's not making the right decision. Yeah, well, unfortunately, you live in the People's Socialist Republic of New Jersey. And every upside, uh, you know, down is up and up is down here. And until we get rid of Murphy, I just don't have any hope for those things changing. You know, we allow children to change their gender at, at eight years old, which is ridiculous. But when in all reality, most eight year olds shouldn't be allowed to decide what to wear to school. Uh, so it, it's it's out of control. And I feel for you. And I'm so glad you brought that up because that is 100 percent correct. And I'm actually going to bring that up with um with uh, Ted Williams because i i think that that's a, a a huge glaring hole in our care of especially of everybody adults and children when it comes to mental health we we used to have institutions we would institutionalize people and then that was considered cruel cuz a lot of them really were not good facilities but we of course did what we often do and threw the baby out with the bathwater and we went to the total opposite extreme and now we decided it would be a good thing to allow people who are mentally ill to, to decide to you know, take their meds or not take their meds and on and on. And it just hasn't worked out. That needs to stop. So Dan, I'm, I'm going to ask Ted Williams about that coming up in about half an hour here on the show. So, so I'm glad you brought that up. Let's head to Jack in Atlanta. Jack, you are on the Guy Benson show. Hi. Uh, hey Mary, how you doing? Doing great. So do you want Trump to run in 24? Uh, you know, I voted for him and I, I love his policies and, uh, his work ethic and the um, just, um, you know, his, his toughness. But uh, I think uh, at this stage, in my opinion, he hears too much baggage. Um, and we know that there's a lot of Republican rhinos that uh, are going to fight hard to keep him out. 
Uh, I actually like uh, Don Jr. I think Don Jr. is well-spoken, very smart guy, um, and particularly if Trump is going to be involved. My only concern is that if he, um, if he doesn't run but is going to be influential behind the scenes, that um, you know, there's going to be, um, in my opinion, a little bit of, um, I don't know what the word is, but uh, conflict, you know, particularly if you have someone like uh, uh, Ron DeSantis running and you know becomes the president, and he's getting uh, you know pushed and, and pulled in different directions you know behind the scenes. So yeah. those are my thoughts. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I don't see Don Jr. because I think Don Jr. So, well, let me go back to your comment about baggage. I do think Trump carries a lot of baggage, but I think it's baggage that the media and the left put on him that he didn't have before he came down that escalator. They loved him. But they created such a whirlwind around him and all and, and 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 just created this baggage around him that I don't think was fair at all. So part of me doesn't like to hang that on him, despite I agree that it's there. Part of me feels like, well, you know what? No, that's not fair to hang that on him because they created that and they did that to him. So by him not running, do they get what they want? You know, so there's that. Don Jr. running, I think you're going to get the same thing, though. I think they're going to do the same thing to Don Jr. They just hate the name Trump and they, and they lose their brains. They, they they He broke their brains somehow. And they just lose any kind of sensibility when they hear the name Trump. I don't know if that would happen if they hear the name DeSantis uh, to the same degree. They'll try the same thing with him, but I just don't think that the hatred and the vitriol is there in the same intensity for Ron DeSantis as it is for Donald Trump. But that's just me. 833 I kind of agree with what he just said. Yeah, I, I, I'm not looking forward to four more, you know, ridiculous years of constant, you know, alleged scandal and investigations and impeachments and this and that. And it's all based on lies and they know it's all lies. But because they control the media, they can continue that narrative just constantly swirling. And it does wear you down. Absolutely wears you down. But by the same token. It's not fair to allow them to wear us down because they fear Trump so much. You understand what I'm saying? 833-456-1300 is my number. Uh, Let's talk a little bit. uh, I want to throw this in here, too. And I want to ask, how do you think uh, Democrats feel about America? I mean, because they always say that they're the party, they they love America, and they always, you know, get out there, but they're kind of not hiding it anymore, I don't think. Um, and something interesting happened. NPR, your taxpayers for paying for that, thank you. The host of Morning Edition is named Steve Inskeep, and he has celebrated for 33 years the 4th of July with an annual reading of the Declaration of Independence. My brother-in-law does this with his children. Every 4th of July reads the Declaration of Independence. But for 2022... They stopped the tradition, and instead they had an 11-minute segment that examined, quote, what equality meant in this document. Um, This is according to Lila Fidel, who is his co-host. So the segment focused on one specific phrase in in the Declaration, quote, the one that says all men are created equal, and what that exactly meant at the time when many of those who signed the Declaration of Independence were slaveholders and women didn't get the right to vote until 1920. Although I will tell you, I think it's Wisconsin and New Jersey 
the women did have the right to vote, and then it got taken away, and then they had to fight for it again until 1920. I think those were the two states. Feel free to correct me, and I'm sure you will. Uh, they had two historians join them, Annette Gordon-Reed uh, and Jill Lepore, and they had this 11-minute discussion about, you know, all men are created equal. So that's how they celebrated the 4th of July. I don't know about you, but that's just really depressing. Like, if, if on St. Patrick's Day we're all Irish and we go with the uh, the stereotype of all Irish people being drunken leprechauns, which, by the way, really? Uh, why can't we just all be Americans, right, for 4th of July? Why can't, because honestly, I think that's how the majority of America views their neighbors, regardless of race, regardless of political party, regardless of gender or whatever 47 people, you know, genders you identify with, whatever. I think we all kind of look at each other as Americans, right? You sit next to each other on the beach and, you know, care. And I actually sat next to some young people who are talking a little bit of politics. It was interesting. But, you know, I'd get up and move away to a different side of the beach. We're all Americans. Why can't the Democrats be that way? 833-456-1300. 833-456-1300. This just really bothered me. Um, you also had, um, the you know, Billy Joe Armstrong from Green Day said he would renounce his citizenship and move to England because he's so upset over the Supreme Court overturning Roe v. Wade. You know what, then you might want to look at what uh, England's policies on abortion are because they are stricter than most American states that allow abortion. So going to England may not really want to be your move, dude. But they don't think before they do things. And there were tweets by Katy Perry and Bette Midler and Jessica Chastain and, you know, the yapping entes of The View and on and on and on. And ESPN had this horrible column, you know, criticizing America. I don't know. Do they always hate America and just never now they're just not hiding it? Or are they just not bothering to hide it now? And how does that win them votes going into the November midterms? It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. All right, I've got some calls coming up. Don't go anywhere. Some people want to talk about Trump running in 2024. And also coming up, Ted Williams will talk to us about the shooting in uh, Illinois. I'm Mary Walter. You're listening to The Guy Benson Show. The Guy Benson Show. More next. I'm Mary Walter sitting in for Guy Benson. Uh, you can also catch me on my podcast on Thursdays at 7.15 Eastern Time on YouTube. Just search for Mary Walter Radio. Will not be a new one this Thursday, but next Thursday there will. Sorry, going to be away, so I, I cannot do it. And this, uh, yeah, so that will be uh, Thursdays. Mary Walter Radio, search for it on YouTube. Love to have you join me. Uh, let's see, got a message from Jane who says, In an ideal world, I would love for Trump to be president again. He was only getting started making America great again with one hand tied behind his back. But we know the Dems would never let it happen. If they couldn't rig the election, they would destroy him once in office. As much as I hate to let them win, I'd prefer a new face. Ron DeSantis with Tim Scott as VP would be my choice. Of course, the Dems will try to destroy them too. No, no, no to Nikki Haley. Christy Nome would also make uh, a great VP. All right, well, thank you very much. How about you? What do you think? Uh, Hearing... A lot of rumblings about uh, Trump not waiting till the midterms to announce that he will be running again for re-election, that he's going to do it beforehand because of the January 6th committee, and he's so frustrated that he can't respond to anything that they're saying about him because he doesn't have a platform, whereas if he's a candidate, he's got that platform, and he's going to get a lot more attention, and he can be more effective at getting his message out. 833-456-1300. John in Wisconsin. John, you're on the Guy Benson Show. Welcome. Hi. Hello. Can you hear me? Go ahead. 
Yeah, I was just calling. I uh, I would like to see Trump run again. I thought he was an excellent president. And on the question of why everybody hates him so much, I can't answer that for Hollywood. There's nuts. But I think the, the political structure hates him because they can't control him. He doesn't owe anybody anything. He doesn't. He doesn't have. Uh, he hasn't sold his soul basically to to uh, different corporations and powers to get him elected in the first place. Exactly. And you know what? That's what I liked about him the first time around. Now, I grew up in New Jersey, so Donald Trump had always been a fixture in my world. You know, you always knew about Donald Trump. He was really big in New York. And, and, and so Don, so his that that part I liked about him because he wasn't beholden to anybody. You know, he he donated to both Democrats and Republicans. I was because he's a smart businessman, but he understands what it takes to make or break a business. Like he understands how to run the country, because in my view, I view the country as a business with a lot of divisions. And I thought he'd be really good at choosing people to run those divisions. And I think maybe maybe his picker was off on some of them. Um, and, and so I would like to see him get another shot at it. But again, I'm I'm worried about what they're the undermining that's going to take place. And he's really not going to, going to get that opportunity to do what he needs to do. Uh, Mike, thank you. Uh, excuse me. Thank you so much. That's not Mike. Uh, very quickly. Let's see how much time do I have here? Uh, yeah, I can do this. I can keep going. Ken in Southern California. Ken, you are on the guy Benson show. Hi. Hi. How you doing? Doing great. So what do you, forward. what do you think about Trump? Um, I like Trump, but I don't think he should run because, for one thing, instantly, he's going to become a lame duck. And because of the fact that, uh, you know, he I like his policies. I don't like his rhetoric. And he's getting the same problem he had before. Everything, you know, he's prone to just saying stuff off the cuff. And that stirs people up and causes problems. So I think, you know, it's time for some younger blood in there. And the same thing in the Senate. We need to get rid of Mitch McConnell, say thank you very much, let the guy retire, bring somebody else up. in Within the Senate, I think there's some good people there, and let them run things, because I think right now, we need to make, we need to get younger. So who do you, you know, I, I think you're right. I think we do. And I'm sorry, I have to let you go. But but I would like to see um, some some new fresh blood in there. I think that would be great. I agree that Mitch McConnell has to go. I think Mitch McConnell uh, and, and Kevin McCarthy. And, and I was surprised that Trump endorsed Kevin McCarthy, but he did. I don't trust the two of them as far as I can throw them. I think they're too much establishment. I think they are too entrenched in the swamp, and they just want to see the status quo, and that status quo gives them power. So I don't like that. Coming up, Ted Williams, where we will talk about the shooting at the 4th of July parade on The Guy Benson Show. You're listening to a new generation of talk, Guy Benson. And I'm Mary Walter sitting in for Guy Benson. Joining us now is Fox News contributor and nationally renowned criminal and civil trial attorney. If you watch the channel, you see him all the time. Ted Williams is here with me. Thank you so much for joining me, Ted. Appreciate it. Well, Mary, thank you so much for having me. 
So this the shooting at the the parade, I mean, just broke my heart when it was happening. I was like, you've got not again. Like all I could think of was Waukesha, right? Like that's all I could think of. And here we go again with with this shooting. What are we learning about this this shooter? I think the, they just had a, a press conference, and we now know it was pre planned. Am I to assume that he was talking? The shooter's talking and telling them, you know, what he did. Well, I'm gathering now from listening to that press conference that the shooter is voluntarily giving uh, information to the authorities because, quite naturally, the first thing they do when they take someone into custody like this is to advise them of their Miranda right, and that's the right to remain silent and the right not to have to give or say anything. But it appears as though that this shooter... Uh, is uh, and by the way, I, I need to make sure we are clear. We call him the shooter, but he is really a person of interest. I do believe, Mary, that that's going to change here any moment now. I would expect in the next hour or so for the prosecutors out in uh, uh, the in Illinois there to hold a press conference and to announce uh, actual criminal charges against uh cremo yeah that's what that's one of the things i was going to ask you because he's still being referred to as a suspect in the shooting he has not been charged yet and i was going to ask you why has that not happened yet well i think they are gathering information and as you know mary unfortunately we've had a seventh person uh, here today to pass as a result of uh this shooting they're gathering information. They're getting their charges together. I anticipate that the charges certainly will be uh, murder charges as well as attempted murder and probably aggravated assaults. Uh, but there was also something else I'm sure that they had to make a decision on, and that is, was he going to be charged under a federal hate crime or was he going to face just state prosecution? And I think that uh, at this stage, they made the decision to go forward with uh, state charges. I anticipate that he will be probably arraigned tomorrow. You know, I thought it was very interesting, though, that, you know, in the pre-planning, we now know that he had a wig and a dress and to to cover up his his tattoos because he had facial tattoos in the wig, had bangs. And and I have to tell you, he does look like a chick. It's amazing Um, in in the video that they have. So, I mean, that's how the, the police work to me is so impressive because they they found him. He went to his mother's home and borrowed her car, yet somehow they knew the car to look for. Do, do we know how they knew the car and what to look for? And that's how they found him on the street and chased him. Do we, do we know how they knew that? Well, no, but I, I think what we have to do in a case of this nature, Mary, is to work a little backwards. And we have to work backwards to the time that they actually found the rifle. Now they have now said that that rifle uh, is somewhat of a AR-15, meaning it was a semi-automatic uh, weapon. And I would have to believe that when you hear the shots as they rang down, quite naturally, it's, it certainly is coming from some kind of a semi-automatic weapon. But uh, from that weapon, they were able to trace the serial numbers on that weapon back 
to Bobby Carimo, and they were able to show that he was the purchaser. So I think once they were able to do that, and also there were cartridges left at the scene and other forensic evidence, they were able to uh, get to his home. Now, he lived with his father and his uncle, and uh, I think they would have been able to get information there. And at some stage or another, they would have contacted his mother, perhaps, and found out that he, in fact, had gone to his mother's house, uh, got her car, drove into uh, Madison, Wisconsin, drove back into the Illinois area there, where someone spotted him, uh, called law enforcement. Law enforcement then uh, followed him and called additional law enforcement officers in, and they were able to effectuate an arrest there in Illinois. So, you know, you you, um, follow these things for a living. You have so much knowledge about these, these shootings in the criminal mind. You know, we're hearing again now the uncle, which I did not know he was not living with both parents. And and I think that that plays into this. We keep seeing over and over again these young men who come from homes where there's a lot of fighting, where there's a broken home, where the parents aren't living together, something along those lines. His former coach said that his parents were, quote, a problem. Uh, before all of this happened, this guy coached this kid when he and his younger brother when they were in um, elementary school and said that, you know, they were always the last one to be picked up. I always had to call the parents to come and pick them up and that his mom, he said the kid was very quiet, but his mom was uh, a quote unquote, a handful that she would yell at the coaches and that kind of thing. So he he felt that there was a problem there. Um, how does the uncle live in the same house and not see come out and say, oh, I didn't see any warning signs at all. How did they not see this? Or am I to believe there weren't any warning signs at home and all of this was just online? Well, I I wish I could say there wasn't any warning signs, but there were, and some of them have been announced in the last press conference. We now know that in April of 2019, uh, he allegedly attempted to commit suicide and mental health individuals were called in to deal with him in April of 2019. And then if you fast forward, we know that in September of 2019 uh, that he had threatened to kill a relative at that home and uh, the authorities were called and that they, the authorities removed uh, knives uh, that he had at the home uh, and they then notified the Illinois uh, state uh, troopers that uh, they had removed and confiscated uh, knives from that home. So he, meaning Karimo, was on the radar screen of uh, law enforcement to some degree. Now, uh, at some stage, it is my understanding that the Illinois State uh, Police will hold a press conference and they will give us additional information as to what, if anything, they acted on or concerning these knives being removed. But we also know, Mary, as we fast forward, that this young man who had attempted to commit suicide, who had threatened a relative in in September of 2019, was permitted to go in and he bought at least five firearms. And those firearms consisted of at least two rifles, a shotgun, and some pistols. And he had all of this, these uh, weapons at his home. 
And also, during that same period, Mary, there were a lot of social media media, uh, uh, writings on Mm -hmm. these things were violent writings. And so there were warning signs. And this is the reason we say if you see or hear something, you got to say something. And I think that his relatives knew something was afoot with this guy, but they just didn't speak out. So how did so I don't have a lot of time here, but how how did he legally obtain the weapons if there were police interactions with him that involved violence? Well, uh, uh, even though those those interactions or one of them at least involved violence, I think they predated him going in to buy the weapons uh, that he purchased. And so he was able to go in uh, and purchase these weapons and. We know but, but, what has now happened, unfortunately. But how, if, if those incidents happened before he bought the weapons, should that not have triggered something on a background check? Well, th- you, you would think so. And I think that the Illinois uh, State uh, Division of uh, State Troopers are going to have to be responsive to that. Why didn't it trigger something? Why was this man, who also, by the way, had this uh, suicidal scenario uh, that had taken place there in April of 2019, why didn't all of these red flags, why didn't they catch him in Illinois there? Right. And, uh, so those are questions that still clearly have to be answered, Mary. Yeah, absolutely. One last question. Every time I have a discussion about guns and we talk about that, that, that clearly we have a generation of young men with an anger problem, I think a feeling of, of directionless, like they're just wandering, they feel hopeless. And I think part of it is because they're, they're men and we've, we've you know, t- pretty much said that men aren't valuable, that our little girls are valuable and because they're white. So they're being told that, you know, now not only are you a useless man, but now you're a useless white man. So you're a racist on top of it. Uh, and, and I've, I've always hear from a parent who said, my son needs help and I can't get my son help. If you call the police, they say it is not our purview. They have nowhere to turn. There aren't enough guidance counselors in schools. So we're telling parents to, if you see something, say something. They want to say something, but there's no one to talk to. There's no one to say, hey, my kid needs help. And I got a call like that during this show, too. Every time I talk about it, that happens. How do we fix that? You know, uh, that's going to be the $64,000 question. That is one of the most frustrating questions. scenarios to any parent that feels that their kid is some danger to himself and maybe perhaps others, and they call the authorities and the authority says, oh, well, he hasn't done anything, so we can't do anything to him. Uh, I think you're going to have to have uh, laws put into place where police are going to have to be more reactive. I'm, I stand to be corrected, more proactive then reactive. Now, uh, quite naturally, if he does something that child that the mother or father is called in on, they can uh, arrest because that means that they are reactive. But what they need to do and law enforcement need to do, Mary, is to act out initially when they get that call. We've got computers. Put the person's name in these damn computers. Be able to check it out or do something to help parents and relatives who are crying out for help out there and who are frustrated because they can't get help.
Yeah, absolutely. And in the meantime, while we're discussing this, 71 people were shot and eight killed in the city of Chicago. And if this, I firmly believe it, if it had not been for this shooting at a parade, uh, we probably wouldn't even have been talking about the killings in Chicago. And I think it's horrible that we have just come to accept that, that type of violence. Ted Williams, thank you for joining me. I appreciate your time and have a great week. And the same to you. Thank you. 833-456-1300. I've got some people on hold. We're going to wrap it up with your calls. You want to talk about Trump running in 2024. You want to talk about the shooting. Anything we spoke about during the show, 833-456-1300. Your call's next on The Guy Benson Show. Guy Benson will be right back. I'm Mary Walter sitting in for Guy Benson on the Guy Benson show. You can always catch me on Thursday evenings at 7.15. I do a podcast. It's um, Getter and on YouTube. If you just search for Mary Walter Radio on YouTube, uh, Thursdays at 7.15. There will not be a new one this Thursday, but there are uh, some old, older ones that are from last week and earlier that you can check out if you'd like. Subscribe to the channel, but I'll catch you in two weeks on Thursday with some new podcast material. Uh, so anything we talked about during the show, a lot of people commenting on whether they want Trump to announce that he will be running in 2024, why or why not, and who you would like to see, 833-456-1300. Or uh, if, like Mike here in New York, you would like to discuss the shooting and what happened at that uh, 4th of July parade in Illinois. Uh, Mike, you are on The Guy Benson Show. Hi. Hi, Mary. Uh, I'm enjoying the show. Thank you. And I just will real quick. I would love to see Trump uh, support the party. And uh, even if he's in the background and just run the country the way Obama and Clinton and everybody are. So let me just get that out there. So uh, uh, but as far as this uh, issue with these young people getting firearms and having family issues, a lot of this has been happening for many years in this country. Parents are not uh, with these kids when they're small, when they're young, when they're bringing them to Little League games, getting involved in schoolwork, checking their tests, and really putting their time and their, and their effort into these children, okay? These children, um, they're, they're dry sponges. They absorb mm-hmm. everything that's around them. And if they don't have the love and the affection and compassion around them, they're going to get it from somewhere. If they don't get it from somewhere, they're going to pick up and absorb anything else that comes at them. And unfortunately, they get into bad crowds. They get into bad habits. uh, They come around bad people. And and this is what's going on out there. I mean, it's not all the kids, okay? But this generation, what's happening with parenting, everything is going so fast. Parents don't take the time to invest into their children. Again, not all of them, right? But a lot of them. Yeah, I, and I listen. Being a parent's hard. I get it, and and there's a lot you got to keep up with. I totally get it, but you're a hundred percent right. Parents a, a lot of times don't really aren't, aren't as involved as you think they should be in their kids' lives. You know, look at schools. Uh, thank you, Mike. I appreciate your comments. Look at schools. Why is it that it took the pandemic and kids learning at the kitchen table for pe- for parents to be aware of what their children were learning in school? Really? How many of those parents before the pandemic actually went to school board meetings or voted in a school board election? Probably very few. I think the average school board election, I, I read somewhere, has something like 13% turnout. And so most parents, I vote, I don't have kids and I vote in every school board election because I'm paying for it. 
But but it, it's really scary to me that parents, all, it took a pandemic and their kids being in the living, you know, at their dining room table or their kitchen table with mom and, and dad listening over their shoulder to find out what kids were learning in school. My parents had to see our homework every single night. They want to see everything. They looked at it. They, you know, we, around the kitchen table, no, no devices, no answering the phone. There were all conversations. What did you learn in school today? What did you learn? Today? And we, and they talked to us about it. Our parents, I just don't know why, just don't do it. Uh, let's quickly go to Rick in Arizona. Rick, you are on the Guy Benson Show. Hi. Oh, hi. Uh, One minute. Calling. We got about a minute and a half. Go ahead. Oh, uh, I was calling about the question about Trump. Yes. Um, basically, I think he's too old. Um, Donald Jr. would be interesting, but probably the baggage um, just because of the name. Uh, I'd be interested in Cruz, um, but really? I really just want the, the Republicans have done a good job of uh, basically just implementing what Trump started. And that yes. is not getting ripped off on trade, securing our border and, you know, not being corrupted by Wall Street. In the book, um, Laptop from Hell, he stopped numerous uh, transactions that um, Hunter tried to have go through. Um, there's uh, Patrick Ho that uh, basically they're, they're international criminals trying to rip off the U.S. that were stopped by his yeah, you know, you make great points, Rick, and I agree with you. I don't think that Republicans are fighters. Some of them are. Some of them have learned from Trump how to fight, but Trump was a fighter. As for being too old, I think as long as your brain still works, I don't care. I don't care. That's all that matters to me as long as your brain still works. Uh, thank you so much for joining me. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you to Guy for letting me sit in the seat, Dan and Wyatt for helping me along. Have a great day. I'm Mary Walter. Hi, everybody. It's Brian Kilmeade. I want you to join me weekdays at 9 a.m. East as we break down the biggest stories of the day with some of the biggest newsmakers and, of course, what you think. Listen live or get the podcast now at com. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.